Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. We are wrapping up the book of Isaiah today. So we started back on first Sunday in January, and we've walked through the entire book of Isaiah. Not every chapter, not every verse. That would have taken like seven years, and after four you would have like killed me. But we've got a good survey, a really good survey of the great passages in Isaiah. And I, I hope now you have just a, a great appreciation for this incredible book of the Bible. Um, I think, in my opinion, the most beautifully written book of the Bible. And certainly what I love to call the Gospel of Isaiah. Next week, we'll kind of do a visioning Sunday. We'll look at um, just the opportunities that God is presenting before us and where God might be leading us. And so we'll be talking about this upcoming Sunday. And then the Sunday after that, we're going to kick into a series on marriage. And so super excited about uh, these upcoming weeks and the opportunities for us together to grow uh, together and to grow as we follow Jesus Christ. Isaiah 64. It's a prayer. The entire chapter of Isaiah 64 is just one prayer. And so I want to ask you this question. How did you learn how to pray? How did you learn how to pray? Was it like a memorized prayer? Is that kind of how you started? Did you just kind of learn just by listening to other people and picking things up? Maybe you're like, I don't know how to pray. I'm still learning. And I think that's me too. I'm still learning how to pray too. I think a lot of us start out with memorized prayers, right? How many of you learned this as a child? Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. How many of you learned that as a, as a child? One of my kids had a stuffed teddy bear, and with its hand, its arms like this, and when you push its hands together, it would pray that prayer. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to it was the freakiest toy ever. I mean, it's like, who, who does that? Do you remember that, that Twilight Zone episode with Talking Tina? Yeah, it reminded me of that. I'm like, it's Talking Tina's going to kill you, right? That was what it reminded me of. Who teaches that prayer to a kid? You get your six-year-old son out there. Okay, son, in case you die tonight, let's pray this prayer. <laughs> It's just so wrong. Oh my goodness. How many of you learned the common table prayers? It's a, come Lord Jesus, be our guest. Let these gifts to us be blessed. Amen. Yeah. That's, a, that's how I first learned how to pray. That's, that's how you pray. You, you pray that prayer. and That's all I knew growing up as, as a kid. But it's a good place to start. What about the Lord's Prayer? How many of you learned the Lord's Prayer growing up? That's a great memorized prayer. It's fantastic. You learn the Lord's Prayer, and, and you can pray every single sentence, and that in itself could be a whole prayer. You know, you could do Our Father who art in heaven, man. We, when I do confirmation, that's a whole lesson, just that we do a lesson on each sentence of the Lord's Prayer, because it's, it's so deep, and it's so rich. How many of you, when you learned how to pray, you were told, just, just say what's in your heart? So one time, Lutherans? I mean, no, no, no. Okay, some of you raise your hand. Okay, good. Yeah, that's how. Like, my wife grew up Baptist. That's how you learn how to pray when you're Baptist. Like, just say what's in your heart. Just say what's in your heart. And that's a great way to pray. It's a great way to pray. When God says, when you pray, call me Father. And and how do you approach your, your dad? Well, you say what's on your heart. And so, prayer is just saying what's on your heart is a great way to pray as well. 
But sometimes, saying what's on your heart can be focused on yourself instead of on God. Because you're saying what's on your heart, and sometimes we forget to say what's on God's heart, and pray that as well. And so Isaiah 64, it, it, it strikes a nice balance. It's not a memorized prayer, but there's some form to it. And yet Isaiah is clearly praying what is on his heart. And this is what he prays. Lord, that you would rend the heavens and come down. That the mountains would tremble before you. As when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil, come down to make your name known to your enemies. To cause the nations to quake before you. What a great line to open with a prayer. Lord, that you would come down. See, some prayers have more of a, a, I would say, a polite introduction to them. You know, when you call your friend up, you you have a polite way of starting a conversation, right? It's, hi, how are you doing? How's your week going? Right? Right? Sometimes you talk to your friends like that. Other times you call your friends up, you're like, hi, I need help now, come over. Right? It's not impolite, but it's urgent. This is an urgent prayer. It's urgent. Isaiah skips with the niceties. He goes straight to the heart of the matter. Lord God, I need you, and now would be good. How many of you pray like that? Like, Lord God, I need help. Someone I love needs help. And I don't have time for Lord Jesus, it's such a beautiful day, thank you so much. And I don't have time for that today. Today, Lord God, act now. Please. Uh, my Uncle Bob is in the hospital right now. And some of you might remember a few months ago, I went back to California for my aunt's funeral. This is her husband. And now he's in the hospital. And, and he's near death. And so my prayers this week have been like that. Right? Lord God, act now. Lord, that you would rend the heavens and make yourself known. And I love how Isaiah continues the prayer. He says this. Since ancient times no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You come to the help of those who gladly do right, who remember your ways. Sometimes our prayers get, get self-focused, right? We're like, Lord God, act now because I really need you to. And, and, and that's a good prayer. But a great prayer is one that continues. A great prayer that says, Lord God, act right now because I really need you to. And you know what? I know you can. I know you are able. I know you, Lord. I know you. There's a feeling in our culture that prayer is positive thinking and a hopeful attitude. And that is a pagan approach to prayer. So I'll tell you what prayer really is. Prayer is based on the active presence of God who has acted in history and we are imploring his action and grace in the present. That's prayer. 
Prayer is, is reminding God of who he is. We, we sometimes say prayer changes things. Have you heard that, that phrase? Prayer changes things. Prayer is powerful. And that, I think it's, that's mostly true. It's mostly true. I'd rather say it this way. God is powerful and he answers prayer. It's, it's, it's subtle, but I think it's an important difference. It's kind of the difference between saying the electric wire powers that projector. The electric wire going to that projector, it's, it's plugged in, that powers the projector. Which is kind of true, but what's really true is electricity powers that projector. And, and the cord, it's just a conduit. Prayers like that. Prayers as a conduit by which we approach the throne. See, God changes things. And he gives you the honor of participating in that change through prayer. And when I say honor, I mean that in the fullest sense of the word. You are approaching in prayer the creator of one, the creator of the universe, the Holy One of God. And if that doesn't make you shake in your boots a little bit, then you don't fully understand prayer. And Isaiah does, because he says this next. But when we continue to sin against them, you are angry. How then can we be saved? All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind, our winds, our sins sweep us away. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and have given us over to our sins. It's as if Isaiah, at this point, the prayer realizes the full extent of what he's doing. He's act, asking the God of the universe to act on his behalf. And now he realizes he has no right. He has no right to ask. Because God is holy and he is not. God is perfect and he is not. God is righteous and he is not. He has no right. And sometimes we feel like that. There's times when we pray, we're like, Lord God, are you listening? Are you not answering? Is it me? Is it me? Have I done something wrong? Is this happening, all this bad stuff, is it happening because of what I've done? Isaiah's there. And it makes sense. This past summer, our family had the privilege to go to Washington, D.C., and we visited the White House. Well, we didn't visit the White House. We visited the fence around the White House, is what we really visited. And then we stuck our, our camera through the fence and, and took some pictures. And then we stood back, and I have a great picture of my family and a fence. And way off in the distance, there's this White House. Right. That's what we visited. But imagine. Imagine just going to Washington, D.C. and There's some guards there, and you wave hi, and you, you walk right on through, and you, and you knock on the door. And 
President Obama answers. You say, hey, President, it's good to see you. Have some favors I'd like to ask. Thank you very much. Have a nice day. That'd be impressive, huh? It's pretty good access. Approaching God in prayer is like that. Times like a billion, a couple billion, infinity, whatever. If, if we really knew what prayer is, we wouldn't have a problem finding time to pray. We'd have a problem finding time to stop praying. And we'd approach it with a lot more humility and a lot more awe. We'd see prayer for what it is because we'd see God for who He is. God is holy and God is righteous. And so what hope do we have that God listens to you in your time of need? Well, Isaiah talks about two places. Two reasons to place our hope. He says this. Yet you, Lord. Isn't that great? But you, Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be angry beyond measure, Lord. Do not remember our sins forever. Look on us, we pray, for we are all your people. That's awesome. Martin Luther says when we pray, we, we, we hold God against himself. We say, Lord God, there is no reason why you should listen to me. Lord, there is no reason why you should answer my prayer, except for this. I know who you are, and I know that you're loving, and that you answer prayer, and that you hear, and that you help. I know you. You, you are my Father. I know you. We, we hold God against himself. Lord God, I know who you are, and I know you can't help but to listen and to answer. I know you, God. How many of you have kids and you will know right away if they're going to ask you something or ask you for something because you get like a special name? Like most of the time your dad and then sometimes your daddy, right? And you know what's coming? Yeah? Or you start like, they start doing more chores around the house. You're like, something's coming, something's coming. I didn't even ask him to take out the trash. Something's coming, right? And when that daddy comes out, you're like, all right, fine, sure, all right, whatever. Right? Your heavenly father loves to hear an answer. Your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, died and rose for you. <laughs> he is hearing and listening. Because anyone who's willing to do a thing like that does not turn a deaf ear. Lord God, I know who you are. I know what you've done. And I know you love me. I don't know why, but I know you do. And I'm thankful for it. And so I'm going to come to you in prayer. And there's also this. Isaiah puts it perfectly. He says, we are the clay. Lord, you are the potter. 
See, in prayer, we, we ask God to act. In other words, we ask God to change the situation. But prayer is a conversation. Prayer is a two-way street. And so not only is God willing to change the situation, He's also willing to change you. Because relationships do that. God molds the clay. C.S. Lewis put it this way. He said, I pray because I can't help myself. I pray because I'm helpless. I pray because the need flows out of me all the time, waking and sleeping. It doesn't change God. It changes me. And so we pray, Lord, your will be done. Lord God, your will be done. Because prayer is not asking the big guy upstairs for a favor. That's not prayer. Prayer is placing our hope, our trust, our lives in the hands of the one who died and rose for you. That's prayer. And so we always pray, Lord God, your will be done. Knowing that God will graciously and lovingly override our prayers in his wisdom and in his grace when necessary. See, J.I. Packer, he said this. He said, when we pray, thy will be done for something we desperately want, it reshapes our hearts. If we find we cannot say something along those lines, it's a signal we're dealing with a disordered love, a heart idol, a rival for God himself in our inmost being. Praying for God's will be done triggers a great deal of self-examination. If we can speak those words from the heart, we'll find again it calms our hearts. We can leave our concerns with God knowing that we'll hear them and act on them when and is best. That's hard to pray. It's hard to pray, Lord, your will be done. This past week, I've been praying, Lord God, heal my Uncle Bob. He's my favorite uncle. His wife just passed away a couple months ago. His kids have been through so much. Don't, don't do this again to them so soon after their mom just passed away suddenly. Lord God, rend the heavens and act now, please. And I do not want to pray, Lord, you will be done. I don't. I want to pray, Lord, my will be done. Lord, I know what's best. And Lord, it's way too soon after Aunt Terry passed away. So Lord, please, you must agree with me. You should heal Uncle Bob. And I don't want to pray, Lord, you will be done. And then I remember, there's someone who loves my Uncle Bob more than me. And that would be God. He loves my Uncle Bob. And by God's grace, Uncle Bob loves Jesus. And if you knew my Uncle Bob, you would know it's only by God's grace that Uncle Bob loves Jesus. You have an uncle like that? Yeah, everybody does. And he is in the Lord's hands. No matter what. He is in the same hands that were pierced to a cross for him. And no matter what happens, he's good. If, if God chooses to heal, great. If he chooses not, my friends, even better. 
better. See, when we walk through those times, God will either change the situation or He'll help change you. He'll help grow you. He'll help mold you as a potter molds clay. Max Lucado, if you know him, he's a great author. He put it this way. God invites us to see his face so he can change ours. He uses uncovered faces to display his glory. And the transfiguration is not easy. The sculptor of Mount Rushmore faced a lesser challenge than God. But our Lord is up to the task. He loves to change the faces of his children. By his fingers, wrinkles of worry are rubbed away. Shadows of shame and doubt become portraits of grace and trust. He relaxes clenched jaws and smooths furrowed brows. His touch can remove the bags of exhaustion from beneath the eyes and turn tears of despair into tears of peace. How? Through worship, and I would add, and prayer. When we pray, Lord God, Lord God, act now. Please. For who you are, I know who you are, Lord, and I know what you've done. Please act. Lord, your will be done. And as I'm walking on this journey, Lord God, mold me. May my faith grow because of this. May my compassion for others grow because of this hard situation. May my love for others increase because I can feel their pain more acutely now because I can say, yeah, I know what you're going through. I just went through it. Lord God, act now in this situation. And Lord, by your grace in me, my friends, that is prayer. It's something we can do because Jesus Christ died and rose for you. And we are in sure, certain, loving, and pierced hands. My friends, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this privilege. Lord God, we thank you for this privilege of of approaching your throne Lord, you know our hearts. You know that we are not worthy. And if we had any inkling idea of what we're doing right now, we would fall on our faces and tremble. But Lord, you are our Father. And we are your children. And Lord, I lift up uh, everyone here who's just walking through a challenging season. And I pray, Lord God, that you would rend the heavens and that you would act. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your action in history, for your death and your resurrection. Thank you that you walk with us today. Lord God, you are the potter, we are the clay. Your will be done. 
on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, as you're acting in history, we pray that by your grace and through your Holy Spirit, you would act in us as well. So we can be more like you. In your name we pray. Amen.